this constant reminder of showing myself that I'm, I'm more than, you know, more than enough and I'm beautiful and people love me and, and I love myself, which is <laughs> a big, hard <laughs> pearl or grease. Affirms, yeah. Pearl's like, yes, <laughs> love yourself. Yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> Episode 152 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft-brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and a special guest in- address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today we welcome back our rotating guest, Keisha McKenzie. Keisha is the Interim Program Officer at Auburn Seminary. Keisha believes that all people have an inherent worth and dignity, and they deserve a world where all of us can flourish and that people of faith must help to make the world of possibility real. Welcome, Keisha. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to have with us today Linda K. Klein, who's the founder of Break Free Together. Break Free Together is a nonprofit that uses story exchange to break silence and stem shaming from purity culture. This organization was born out of Linda's 15 years of research documented in her award-winning book, Pure Inside the Evangelical Movement that Shamed the Generation of Young Women and How I Broke Free. Her work has been featured on CBS News, NBC Think, NPR's Fresh Air with Terry Gross, and over 150 other outlets. Linda has been highlighted on the TEDx stage at the Apollo's Women of the World Festival, the 92Y She Summit, and over 100 other venues. Linda also provides personal coaching for individuals, especially those deconstructing the impact of purity culture on their lives, and storytelling and innovation consulting for organizations committed to doing good. Linda holds an interdisciplinary master's degree in gender studies, religious, religious studies, oral history, and nonfiction writing from NYU, and is a trained our whole lives sexuality education facilitator. She's based in New York City. To find out more about Linda, visit lindakklein.com. Oh, that was such a long bio. Thank you for reading that, Keisha. <laughs> You're welcome. Well worth it. And I would like to introduce my yes, dog, Pearl, who is clearly present with us <laughs> because my being based in New York City means that there is actually There's nowhere to go. <laughs> I don't think you can hear it, but there was another dog in an apartment across the hallway that was barking and my dog was like responding. They were having a real conversation over the hallway. That's so my nice. apologies. And if he comes again, you will know who Pearl is. Thank you, Pearl. I was actually going to ask what the dog's name was because, you know, clearly they're trying to make their presence known. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's all good. Um, we have a new puppy. We are fostering a Jack Russell and I'm not sure how come he's not lapping at my heels right now? But mm. if he rolls up, then you will know. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. We, we're the dog, way we're a dog-friendly podcast. The yes. way that I keep Pearl, here's an inside, inside piece of information. The way that I keep Pearl quiet during um, podcast interviews is by having him on my lap. So he's always, <laughs> he's always part of every podcast that I do. That's pretty great. <laughs> Excellent. Um, you can show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Um, you can see clips from the show and join our conversation on Twitter, Facebook, IGTV um, using the hashtag ptlive. This week we're talking about self-care, the new self-care Barbie pastor expectations and burnout and, and more. Oh my, I feel like there should be an oh my there. Um, so what are we drinking today, friends, at our home pubs? Guest first. Oh, yes, guest first. Absolutely. If the guests were drinking alcohol at this time of day, the guest would go to bed after this podcast. <laughs> the, the guest is drinking water, and but with love, but with love, and we'll be uh, toasting you all later on 
in retrospect. Excellent. <laughs> a solid drink. I am the recurring water drinker on this show. She so is. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers um, to that. This is, it is in my only pint glass, which I got from a technical communication conference about five years ago. It's oh, my, well. It's my favorite class. There will be a pub theology pint glass coming your way then. What? So you will have two now. I'm so excited. <laughs> one can live in Maryland and one can live in New York. Exactly. Um, so I, I'm a little boring today, but, um, I haven't been to the store in a while. So I'm drinking, uh, Sam Adams. Um, it's one of their limited releases, cold snap white ale. Mm. Um, it's very good. I like it. It's a very good, like, it's a, I mean, it's good white day beer that I can not fall asleep afterwards. It was this or a double IPA that um, was very high octane that a friend had left over Super Bowl. And I was like, mm, I may better not risk that one. <laughs> what, <laughs> what's, the, um, what's the meaning of white L? What's it mean? Um, I, 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 I'm sure that Ogan or Ryan could tell us. Mm. Um, I, I'm sure it has something to do with the way that it is brewed. Mm -hmm. um, this is... This, the description is unfiltered and lively. This crisp white ale gets a kick from a bright blend of smooth spring spices. Um, for me, they're usually more of a like Belgian style. So yeah. I, I'm wondering if it's um, the kind of hops that are used mm. in it, if it's a specific kind. That makes um, sense. Completely out of context. I'm just guessing. <laughs> and I'm sure that there will be many people that write in and be like, Keisha, oh, a white so. ale is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm all for learning things. Exactly. And bring it on, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, so we'll just start out. What is, we are three um, busy people in the world. What is your f uh, favorite form of self-care? start with that i think i, I have can, oh go no ahead. you go ahead you go ahead well like i have a couple um i like naps um i think they're underrated i try to follow the science on them and either choose 30 minutes 60 minutes or 90 minutes wow you are so disciplined yes well, <laughs> it, i find that it actually helps to, does it yes because the rem cycle is 90 minutes so if I want to make up for a deficit, I will go for one cycle. If I'm trying to just um, reset a bad mood or something, mm -hmm. I'll go for 30 minutes. 60 minutes is the one I use least of all because mm -hmm. it's not full satisfaction of a full cycle and it's not the quick reset. Right. So like I just, I just try to, depending on what I'm trying to do, I've heard, and I think this is right, that the 60 minutes helps if you're trying to reinforce some kind of memory. So like hmm. if you're studying something oh, and you want to like help the short-term memory not get stuck on itself, then you might want to take a longer nap. Oh, that's um, great. But yes, yeah, so I like I like naps because sleep is good. Sleep I'm is so good. jealous of nap takers. I am incapable of falling asleep in the middle of the day. And I feel like nappers live a better life. I I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> 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 so that's that's one of them. Um, I like cooking just the process mm -hmm. uh, i like making art um and i like epsom salt baths mm. yeah i think you know one of the things that gets i'm sure that you've seen them go around like the articles of like getting your like spa days aren't you know self-care mm -hmm. and i'm like you know let's not diminish mm -hmm. the great great healing powers of a bath right mm -hmm. like and and both right mm -hmm. these disciplines that we have but like i love getting my nails done like it is a half hour or 45 minutes of just me being something a little bit selfish and mm -hmm. again self-care doesn't have to be selfish but like it just it makes me feel good it makes me feel nice um and like, you're not in demand for that time right and and everything just kind of goes away so, you know, I, I think that there needs to be that balance there. Um, but I have others of, um, so I take a weekly Sabbath on Saturdays from Friday night to Saturday night of, I don't do anything um, in terms of 
So if the kids need to go somewhere, either they get picked up or my husband takes them somewhere. Um, I don't cook on Saturdays. Um, if, if I do, it'll like, oh, I might make breakfast because breakfast is relaxed and, you know, more easy. But my husband makes dinner that night. Um, I, I unwind every day by coming home and cooking dinner. Like I need to, it's one of my like weekly or daily practices, mm -hmm. but Saturday I need to, I need to stop. And that 24 hours has been like more rejuvenating for me in terms of my own like well-being than anything else has, to be honest. Mm -hmm. When did you start that? I started that after sabbatical. So I, yeah. I had a 16 week sabbatical this summer. And when I, and what I, um, what I got out of that was a lot of days of, you know, Derek went off to work and the kids went off to school. Um, cause I did half in school when they were in school and half when they were out of school mm -hmm. and, um, just being able to have that quiet. Mm -hmm. So Linda, we have four kids. And so there's just, there's just chaos all the time <laughs> and you know everybody and and we're not even like we don't even let them not let them you know but like we're not the parents like they get to do one thing a week right mm -hmm. so they have piano lessons on thursday night and they have piano lessons or they have piano lessons and guitar lessons and and it's all at the same time so like we go out once we drop them off we pick them up we come home like there isn't running around to every which way all the time we just We've created some boundaries around that. Um, so anyway, yeah, I started after sabbatical and then I got a little bit away from it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you do. Mm -hmm. um, and then we went, um, Keisha, you, one of the episodes you were on, I think the last one, um, I was in Puerto Rico for his mm -hmm. birthday. For, mm -hmm. My husband turned 40 and he and I went off to Puerto Rico for a week, which was amazing. Nice. And there was a conversation there of like, okay, we really need to get back to this. Like, this is, I've lost it and I'm kind of, I'm starting to lose it. Mm. And so I need to, I need to get back. And it makes, I said it last night, actually. Um, it makes, it's the difference between, um, there's a lot in my life going on. Like my life is a lot and my life is too much. Mm -hmm. Like that day is the difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that to me is self-care, right? Knowing my limits, knowing my boundaries and doing the things that need to happen in order to, to keep, keep that too much at bay. Absolutely. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, I identify actually with the, um, nails thing, but for me, it's more, if my toenails, it, like I, in the winter, I always do my own toenails, but if, and nobody sees my feet. And so besides my husband. And so if my toenails are like janky, that, is that a word? Janky? It, it might as well be. Janky? Janky? <laughs> if my janky toenails are janky in the winter, that means that I haven't, I haven't had enough alone time mm -hmm. because it, and, and if my nails are looking good in the winter, that means that I am like loving myself because mm -hmm. my husband truly is not invested in my toenails. <laughs> right? right. No, exactly. So for me to care for something that only I am looking at mm -hmm. <laughs> and it needs a tail, right? Um, it actually is. It is sort of a marker of, of like, have I had alone time, you know? Right. And, um, but the main thing that I was thinking of, so you made me think about that and that is totally true for me too. Um, but the main thing that came to my mind was, I've been doing this freestyle dance class and it's called Five Rhythms. It was uh, written by somebody uh, who actually wrote a book called Sweat Your Prayers. She wrote a number of books, but that was the first book. And I really, I really use the Five Rhythms freestyle dance class as a sweat my prayers experience. Mm. Um, so the way it works is you come in and uh, for me personally, no one, no one instructs us on this. I come in with a question or a prayer, right? Something that I want to dance through for the next hour and a half and see where it leaves me at the end. And then over the course of the uh, time that you're dancing together, the lights are really, really low. So you're, you're not really looking at one another. You might have some Christmas lights that are decorating the space. You have a live DJ. I go to a particular class where the DJ 
plays, you know, really uplifting music that I love. And, um, and then over the course of the time where you're dancing together, you move through these five rhythms. You start out in this rhythm, you start out really in this rhythm of slow, slow, quiet, like often with stretching, right? And then you would move into what's called flow. So you're kind of, the idea is you're kind of moving with the energy, keeping yourself moving. Um, and then you move into static and static is these very hard lines and it's like boundaries, you know, like if, if flow mm -hmm. is, you know, what's around me and how can I be one with what's around me? Static is like, okay, whatever is around me, I am, I do not have to live in reaction to it. Right. Yeah, I can create yeah. boundaries. I can use sharp lines. Right. Um, and then the third is chaos where you just completely let everything go and just lose it, which I love. <laughs> and I think is my favorite. So uh, can I just say the image that popped in my head, um, you may be too young for this, um, can't buy me love, like in the 80s with Patrick Dempsey, and yeah. then he like goes to the school dance and he does yes, that. Yes, like yes, like yes, that's yes. exactly the image exactly that came to my mind. <laughs> Yes. So yes. for the viewers of a certain age, you're welcome. Yes. Totally. <laughs> totally. That was that was some that was some chaos. Um, and then you move into uh, lyrical, which is sort of whatever your natural style is. You know, well, like what is easy for you? What is natural? What is what is lyrical for you? And then you start to move into stillness. So you basically move on this arc. You know. And it's been really powerful for me. It's, it's something that I try to do every week and that I don't do every week and is also a sign of whether I'm taking care of myself, whether it's been a while since I've done that. Um, because it is probably my, my um, most powerful period of uh, really feeling like I'm connecting to myself and really feeling like I'm connecting to divine in a, a way that feels embodied and powerful for me these days. Um, and a little taste of that, I try to do a morning ritual every morning. And I'm, I don't do it every single morning for a while. I was really, really good about it. When I was writing the book, I did it religiously every single morning. Um, and part of the morning ritual, it's, it's a little bit of journaling, it's a little bit of um, uh, yoga, but the main thing that it is uh, for me is I dance to one song. And that's like the best part of my day. You know, when I, when I start the day with a dance, that's, that's, that's a sign that it's going to be a good day. That's great. That's great. I had this, I had a roommate in college. She was, she was very good. In fact, Grey's Anatomy kind of took this on where they like danced it out, like when they were not feeling well. Um, and years before that in college, my roommate would kind of do that. She'd be like, all right, we're like, she'd put on this music and we'd be like, let's dance it out. And there's yeah. genuinely something about like getting in your body, right? Yes. So yes. Yes. exercise like yoga or dance or, or just even um, embodied prayer, you know, something about getting in your body is, it, it just is, it, it cares for that mind, body, and soul, you know? Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, the tactic of shaking off uh, mm -hmm. anxiety is also like an expression of that. I've seen people do that yeah. before they speak or, or yes. after, or after hard conversations. Yeah, I, I, I use that sometimes. So this is actually something that, um, uh, that the woman who started Five Rhythms talks about is that every, every animal, she says, I am not a uh, zoologist, so I will <laughs> not fact check this, but, um, but in her claim, every animal except for humans deal with crises by doing that like, <sighs> like have, yeah. you seen, have you seen like a deer almost get hit by a car? Yeah. And then afterward they're like, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so I use that for anxiety myself and I actually have used it with groups. So if I'm mm. working with a group and we've had a really difficult conversation and there's a lot of weight in the room um, and it's just palpable, I'll often ask the room to do kind of a group, like, you know, yeah. five seconds of chaos. Right. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. I, I often ask like if we're have, about to talk, talk about a subject that's going to be intense for whatever reason, you know, like even like, okay, everybody take a deep breath, yeah. like, right. Like just move for a moment so that we're able to receive something without, you know, being so clenched, 
clenched. Exactly. Mm. It just relaxes us. Mm. Mm. Um, well, speaking of, we're going to move on to plastic dolls that don't <laughs> move and can do that. So. <laughs> so I didn't know this. This is all new to me. Um, Mattel has introduced a new line of self-care Barbies. There is a spa doll who comes with a robe and plenty of magazines to read, as well as cucumber sunglasses. There's a fitness doll whose form-fitting gym kit. I mean, aren't they all form-fitting? Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes with, a, <laughs> I love this line that Brian wrote. She comes with a protein bar that her plastic esophagus is unable to consume. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pampering doll who gets bath products and a loofah. And finally, there is a wellness dream doll who has a pillow and mask and sleep mask. And all dolls come with uh, adorable puppies. Here is the quote with the press release. Uh, The collection teaches girls or children daily routines that promote emotional well-being and includes three key themes, meditation, physical well-being, and self-care. Because Barbie knows that one's best, um, that to be one's best is to give yourself the best care. Okay, so I, I'm interested. I appreciate that you corrected the press release, but I'm interested that the press release says specifically girls. said girls. it teaches girls about emotional well-being. Yes, that that was my insert. No, I, no, but I appreciate yeah. it because it tells me like who does Mattel still think this product line yeah. is for, mm-hmm. and why do they think that only this gender specifically needs that messaging? Right. And what alternate messaging do they expect to offer otherwise gendered children? I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I I don't actually think that these particular self-care, you know, things are not worthy or useful or important. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if we had, if this was a line of self-care targeted toward men or toward boys, I, I do think it would be a very different list. Like I was thinking about all the things that are missing, like... I want a self-care Barbie that goes on writing retreats to work (laughs) on her writing that she doesn't have time for in her busy nine to five, right? You know, or who goes to school at night to pursue the job that is her true dream, not the job maybe that she's doing in her daytime. Like that's self-care to, to carve out the time to, to, study and work for your next, for your great next. And I wonder if we were thinking about, you know, about this product as something that wasn't just targeted toward girls, if there might be some of those more career oriented, life oriented definitions of self-care included, you know, what is it, what does it mean to kind of think about it as inward focused versus mm, self-care for a, an external focus? Right. Like what if the, what if there were Barbie and Ken dolls, if just because Mattel kind of, you know, they only use the two genders. So, right, right. you know, but what if there were Barbie and Ken dolls and there was a Ken doll that came with a loofah and bath products? Like, right. how would you feel about that? Right. Friend? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and again, we just talked about like taking baths as healing and mm-hmm. good. And there's nothing wrong with that in self-care, right. but at the same time, what message does that lead? Um, because we, we wouldn't, I wouldn't, at least in my mind, in terms of, I could almost see Mattel coming out with a Ken doll with a protein bar and exercise clothes, right? But it That's, would be weights. It wouldn't just It be would be like, weights. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yes. Right? Weights. Actually, it would be big weights in comparison it would to be, it would be over body. Exactly. <laughs> Completely lightweight, big, giant dumbbells, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and you know, like actually, the the place I go, we were talking about manicures and pedicures earlier. Like, lots of, I mean, it it's disproportionate to women, but there are plenty of men that come oh, in yeah. and get, especially their feet done and their yes. nails done. Yes, I, I mean that is not a that's not an exclusive thing. Um, no, my my husband and I actually just talked about this the other day because um, I I have. Uh, introduced pedicures to him mm-hmm. and it has actually been transformative. And, and it was so funny. He, he and I had this conversation the other day. He said, Linda, I understand now 
like doing, taking care of your feet is actually part of self-care. Like it makes me feel better. Yeah. So he's going for this big job interview soon. And he was like, I'm going to get a pedicure before my job interview and nobody will see my feet, but I will know that I have taken care of myself in a way that will make me show up differently. And I was like, yes, brother. Like, yes, exactly. (laughs) This this is the story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, he had never thought of it before, but it, it is. It can be transformative. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do like one of the reasons why I like um, I I do like manicures, which mine is terrible right now. So I'm actually hiding like it's time for a new one, <laughs> hiding my fingers. Um, it so I I have a lot of um, body issue, body shaming, you know, of of larger than the average woman issues and. I have, you know, lots of reasons for that and that grew up with that image and, you know, that somehow I am less than or not as pretty as other people are, if you will, mm-hmm. right? And for some reason, part of for me is the very visual looking at my hands, seeing my nails done makes me feel pretty. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't need anybody else to sit there and say my nails are pretty, right? That is not what it's about for me. It's about the self-confidence of me like having a physical, well, the other part of it is, um, you know, I used to bite my nails as a child because just anxiety has to manifest in multiple ways. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when I finally kind of worked through this stuff and stopped biting my nails, that was one of my great rewards, you know, is to, Mm. is to kind of just uh, this constant reminder of showing myself that I'm, I'm more than, you know, more than enough. And I'm, beautiful and people love me and and I love myself which is a big hard <laughs> pearl or grease Affirms, pearls yeah. like yes <laughs> love yourself yes girl yes <laughs> but that's but that's part of it and you know a little bit of that was grow- like I very much grew up with barbies i have two mm-hmm. sisters mm-hmm. we all are within um uh, I have a sister, a biological sister and a stepsister. Um, we all grew up together since I was three mm-hmm. and we are within 18 months of each other. Wow. Like, so we were like triplets in a lot of ways, um, which is weird to say, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And we played Barbies all the time. And we are three different women of three different shapes and looks and sizes and thoughts and all of those wonderful things. And, you know, yet... Barbie was somehow this, Yes, you know, she's perfect, right? She's all the perfect. Um, well, and she's actually, she's actually dangerously imperfect. Because well, of course. She would be ill. She would be right. in danger. We would have her Didn't they hospital. change the proportions recently? They did finally change the proportions of the neck, especially because mm. it was, they, they did the real life and her neck was like two feet long. If she was real, Oof. it was, yeah, it was like, <laughs> She had this like long slender neck and they were like, no, that's not possible. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't grow up with Barbies. You didn't? No, no. I, I, I'm not now sure. And I'd have to ask my mother whether it was them intentionally not providing it because it wasn't a model they wanted us to imitate or if it was something else, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so the closest that I got was like a, a actual baby dimensioned uh, black baby doll. Mm-hmm. That was my. That was the first one that I remember. I had a, a tiger from Thundercats action doll, hmm. um, but those were action figures because they right. were for boys. Yes, action um, figures. Right, mm-hmm. but oh, it was a doll. Never um, yeah. And and then I eventually did get um, a doll that was similar in style to Barbie, but not not mm. as small. So it was about, I think, about a foot. And with larger limbs, like larger proportioned limbs, and more, more realistic, still on the slim side, not my type, not my body type, or whatever. But um, that was as close as we got. And so I don't, I don't remember attaching, like my own self understanding of bodies mm-hmm. to to those kinds of figures. And I guess that was a gift. It's it's interesting. I I don't remember attaching myself, but I, I realized that I did. I, I don't know how much of, of it is dolls and how much of it is magazines, but I went to Japan when I was in my 20s. And, you know, there are a lot of single gender um, spas where you're naked 
And I went to this spa and I was walking around and I remember seeing all of these different bodies and being utterly arrested by the fact that I had no idea that our bodies looked like this. Mm -hmm. Like I remember walking around and being like, what? This is what the range of bodies looks like? Like look at all of us here. None of us look like the magazine. None of us look like Barbie. You know, there is every shape and size. And like some people are squatter in some areas and more stretched in other areas. And there was just so much variety. And, and I, I remember being fascinated. Like I was staring at people, you know, and and trying to hide it and be like, stop looking at the naked people. But, but it, but it really was out of this realization that I had an utterly flawed idea about what bodies look like. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think so for me, it wasn't that I necessarily like put on Barbie, like that's, it was, it was this very, um, you very much do not look like that. Right. So it wasn't that like, I'm supposed to, it was worse. Right. It was, you'll never Mm. like, it was this, like, you'll never look like this. So And somehow, and, and I don't, I really don't think anybody said this to me and I don't, you know, that's how it works, right? Nobody actually said it out loud, but somehow it was, then I'm less than if I'm not, you know, going to live up to this. Mm -hmm. Um, and my, my older, my oldest sister is, is blonde and very much actually physically did. I mean, not the real proportions, but in real life proportions did look like Barbies, Mm -hmm. right? She Mm -hmm. was long blonde hair. She tanned very easily. She had a large chest and large hips in the right ways. And it was even like, as we got older and as we knew better, I was going, well, people do exist like that. But again, even now, a lot of that's in my head. Like that wasn't even reality then. Um, and then, right. the, and then of course people get punished for that body type in different right. ways. Exactly. Right? And that's, that's when I started to learn, like, we're, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, we're all different. We're, we celebrate that. And we're, as, as people who present as women are all objectified in different ways because of that. That's right. Um, and we're all less than or um, held up, right? So mm-hmm. people with clothes on that have this perfect shape, and then they'll get, you know, well, you don't look like this. I mean, my sister to this day will talk to you about her cellulite and her fat thighs that she hates. Right. Like Mm. that, that's her rhetoric and her conversation. Um, And it's interesting. I feel like, I feel like what's, what's been really um, a big aha for me over the years is how much all of it um, tends to be. And I'm, again, I'm speaking in highly gendered language right now as we have been in general, but um, but there's so much about whether or not a woman looks right that has to do with whether, like whether she is meeting the expectations of men mm-hmm. and whether those expectations are she has to be hyper sexy, mm-hmm. you know, or whether right. those expectations, you know, with my work on purity culture are around she has to be hyper sex less. Right. Right. And, that, and so in which case, if you're noticing the big boobs and the, and the, you know, hips. but you know, the hips, yeah. like all of these things, you know, that is going to be deemed as a problem as well in particular <laughs> cultures. Certainly so many, so many of um, my interviewees um, who I, who I interviewed for the book talk about, you know, looking at themselves in their mirror when they started to develop these, um, these body parts that were, were deemed sexual, right? And were deemed threatening and that made them stand out in that way and, and trying on shirt after shirt after shirt after shirt. Like, how do I get rid of this? Right. How do I make this disappear, right? And crying standing in front of the mirror because, because of the very things that, we're sh- that Barbie, you know, exactly. shows us what we're supposed to be. We have other people who are, who are, are telling us, don't be that. And so you're getting these contradictory ideas about what you should look like and what you shouldn't look like. And at the end of the day, the whole contradictory ideas all come down to the same thing, which is whether or not you're going to be attractive right. to, to men. And, to of, the course, right and man. of course, in turn to everyone. <laughs> right. right. And so, so just to get into it, you know, you mentioned your work, like I grew up in the Southern Baptist church 
And so all the while middle school, high school, while bodies are changing, um, and you know, and even, I mean, so my older sister dropped out eventually and, but my uh, middle, the middle sister and I, um, she and I played Barbies longer for, for whatever reason. And, you know, even then kind of, um, I, re- I mean, I remember towards the end of Barbies kind of playing with putting them together naked, you know, and just kind of regular, just normal play of like what, uh, and of course they're not atomically correct. So you're like, I don't understand how this works. And, you know, like that right, kind of right, thing, right. but you knew, right. You knew that somehow Ken and Barbie slept in a bed and somehow this, you know, all happened. Magic. And then as we got older, these hard bodies go jam. jam, jam. <laughs> I mean, listen, together. some, some do, you know, <laughs> and some soft bodies do that too. Yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, as we, as we continue to grow up in this, I think now I, I will never be able to get this stupid article out of my head, it got passed around a few years ago. And then last Sunday, um, the lectionary, was um you know if your eyes cause you to sin gouge them out mm. yes. and so i've been thinking about these in tandem it was so the article was written by um an evangelical conservative you know kind of man of like telling women to stop wearing yoga pants because it made their lo- their butts look really good you know do you know the article or that like yeah whole, yeah 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 Mm-hmm. So that it's, you know, women need to stop doing this because they like yoga pants make their, their butts look so good that, you know, it's right. tempting men and how dare you do that. Right. And I was just like, Jesus, take the wheel. Like I can't with this guy, like, or these people, you know, kind of thing. And so when that text came out this week, I was like, okay, obviously Jesus is not saying to actually gouge your eyes out, right? Like he's, what does it mean that Jesus speaks in hyperbole? But you might as well say like a woman walks by with yoga pants on and like you could make a modern day parable out of this in terms of that of going. And you said to yourself, constrain yourself, (laughs) you know, like why did we make that the woman's problem? Yeah. Because by the way, yoga pants are super comfortable and awesome. So you need to stop. Yeah. 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 My, my own experience was very, it's, it's along those lines because I, um, I grew up almost like a, uh, very athletic, um, tomboy kind of person, but I would wear church dresses and starts to, to church on Sabbath. But when I went to college in Jamaica, the school at the time had a rule that didn't allow women to wear pants. Mm. So I had to buy a whole bunch of skirts and dresses and stuff like that. So it was a big deal for me to make that shift at all. And then when I eventually got to campus, because I was the athlete, like I had hips and I had thighs and stuff. And you could, you could guess what my shape was underneath the dress. And it was a whole new issue of my body not being compliant enough for that system because Mm. I was, I was too athletic I was wearing clothes that actually fit my body and it was a problem because I had clothes that fit my body instead mm-hmm. of a sack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just um, deeply demoralizing. I was about 15, 15 and a half at the time. And it was deeply demoralizing to go from a space where like in the UK, like nobody cared right. what I wore. Um, my family only cared that I was respectable looking and uh, like I was neat and clean and tidy. Um, and nobody at church ever gave me that kind of stick around being, um, uh, beguiling or, you know, all those things they might say to young women. So it was a real kind of shock to the system to suddenly be, um, a hyper focus of attention and much of it, not by men, but by women enforcing mm. this pure yes. system yeah. to, to, to feel, um, not only, hyper visible but um betrayed by one's own gender mm-hmm. yeah because of the way that the system forces forces that kind of mutual policing so you, you you're in compliance yeah and i i mean i found that when the when the men did i mean they used their wives um and again the wives went along with it it's not like it was a complete you know they bought into this idea too but they would often lift up um the woman that was clearly very attractive and and wore you know buttoned all the way up you know the turtleneck and the long skirts and the you know right but like and 
but never chose the woman that was my size that, you know, wore the same clothing. Interesting. Um, you know, my husband always says to me, he's like, you, you actually dress very conservatively for your personality. And I was like, there is a reason for that. Like, and, and it's not, it's, it's just the way that, um, I'm comfortable in my size and, and I'm, I've tried, I've done a lot of work to try to unwalk the, um, basically wear the sack, right. Just, mm. just do a big mm. sack because then, um, cause actually what, so, um, what was it? What's the mood or the, it was a book shrill. Is that it? Where she is yeah. played by the, yeah. Yeah. So, and she talks about like that actually the bigger the, the you TV are. The TV show is shrill. I'm not sure if the book is called, yeah. shrill, but the TV show is. Yeah. 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 The TV shrill. I'm, I'm not it. sure. But yeah, the, the idea of like the bigger you are, the more you try to disappear. Right. Yeah. So you wear, you wear clothes that will not get you noticed and, and I think that's all part of it. Linda, in your work, do you, like, do you see that Barbie issue, <laughs> you know, and that trying yeah. to cover yourself up constantly? Because I don't it's, actually think there's anything wrong with conservative dress. Like, that's okay. my natural default. I don't want you looking at all my stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I may go out with my husband and choose, you know, something a little different, but I'm not comfortable with that everywhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting, you know, the expectations that are sort of at the base of purity culture, which I would argue, by the way, that American society is purity culture, that purity culture, that the majority of our globe, you know, is purity mm -hmm. culture, which is a culture in which people are deemed pure or impure, um, clean or dirty, right? Use whatever language you want to use, um, particularly women and girls with, when we're looking at it through the lens of sexuality. But of course, we use the same language around race, around ethnicity, all kinds of other things. And so, so one of the, when we're talking about it through the lens of sexuality, which is intersecting with all of those other things, <laughs> right. um, you know, the, the rules are that you have to be very much aligned with your assigned gender, right? Uh, so you can't look too athletic, you know, to get to your, your point, Keisha. You know, you have to be feminine and pretty, you know, to get to some of the feelings that you had, Shannon. Like mm -hmm. you had to, but you couldn't be too much. So, so my experience was I grew up being called a stumbling block all the time because I wasn't wearing a sack. You know, there was a right. different reason that we all were in our sacks, right? Right, and right. For me, for me, you know, I was often deemed threatening because, because my skirt was too short, because I was talking to the boys and it was considered flirtation, you know, whatever it was. It was just, it, it felt like it was nonstop that I was constantly pulled aside and called a stumbling block, literally a thing over which men and boys would trip. And to bring it back to what you were talking about earlier, Shannon, I actually went into the Bible at one point and was pulling out all the different instances of the word stumbling block. Mm. And there really is only one instance in which stumbling block is used in reference to sexuality. And it is the one that you were talking about. It's that verse. Mm -hmm. if you see a woman and you have lust in your heart. It is better for you to throw your eye into, you know, like, and get rid of your eye than, than to burn in the depths of, of you know, fire and hell. <laughs> and, and yet, interestingly, in that case, you know, we don't deem the I the stumbling block, which right. is so clearly what the verse is saying, what the verses are saying. But instead, because we tend to interpret um, uh, theology through our culture, and our culture is one that blames women and girls um, mm -hmm. for all impurity, sexual impurity, because it's, they're supposed to be the great keepers of purity. Um, you know, they, we have so, so obviously flipped it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and this term stumbling block for those of us who grew up in purity culture, you know, so many of us, we hear that term and immediately all we think about is a, a girl, you know, who's, mm -hmm. who's dressed inappropriately or whatever it is. And yet, and yet the only reference in the Bible to stumbling block is is that one is that you know, one. as that that is that is referring sexual to sexuality and when i actually pulled it out and said okay what what are the times in which we use stumbling block most often in the bible i found that you know one of if not the most common way that it was used you know i actually talked to several theologians about this because i you know i i don't want to make a claim about the but <laughs> um but 
arguably the most common way that it's used, is, uh, is around judgmentalism. Mm. Mm-hmm. The biggest stumbling block, the thing that stands in the way of people continuing on the Christian path that is presented is judgmentalism. And that is exactly what we're talking about here. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How and are I, you not right? How do we make you more acceptable for us? You know? Precisely. And I, and, and I, even as we're having this discussion, so I, um, our oldest daughter, um, our oldest child is um, 12 and she um, is, is very conservative in her dress just naturally. She is also, um, she is quite tall for her age. She is five, six already. Like um, she is <laughs> like, she just passed a half an inch on me and, and she's not done. And, you know, so she's already like, oh, I hate being tall. And, and, you know, I'll try to find these things. And I'm like, no, it's okay that, you know, something. And, and I don't think that's because of me. That's just her, that's her own way. Um, and yet, you know, there's also this, like I watch her TikTok videos and there's this, you know, kind of, and I'm trying to walk that line as a parent, right? Of what is appropriate. Like, are you doing this for you? Are you doing this for someone else? Because for me, that's more, that's more of the issue um, that I had to wrestle with and that I'm trying to teach our girls. Um, our, our, our girls are 12 and seven, and then the boys are 10 and nine. And, and it's just harder with the, with the girls <laughs> at this yeah. point. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just trying to wrestle that line because, you know, if you're, if you're dressing conservatively because people are calling you names and you want to cover, you want to hide and cover up, then we need to talk about that. Um, if you're dressing, um, I mean, I, I don't actually like the only way I know how to say that is like provocatively, which isn't the right, like term even you want to wear a short skirt right. wears like she has gorgeous long legs yeah it right? implies it implies that we are trying to provoke exactly and, and there are so many reasons that people wear so many different things and right it's not always about trying to provoke i mean for me <laughs> in high school and you wear shorts <laughs> right exactly <laughs> but, it, but it took me 10 years after coming out of college to be able to feel comfortable wearing shorts in public yeah mm. yeah and i i mean i i still not really comfortable wearing shorts in public, but, but again, those are my body issues, you know, and it's, and it's a hindrance, you know, sometimes I put on a tank top because I'm like, it's hot. And I I just can't care. I just can't care what you think about my arms, which by the way, nobody's thinking anything about my arms. Like they really aren't. Nobody's like, Oh my gosh, she should not be wearing that. Like that's all on me. Um, but I, I have a similar, I have a similar thing with my legs. I, I, when it's really hot, I love the feeling of the sun on my legs. Like I just love the way, especially when you've been in the winter all year and every, yeah. like, it's like parts of you are just like, what, what is this on my skin? Like, you know, like parts of your body when they touch the sun are just like, Ugh. exactly. And, and so <laughs> I'm alive. I'm alive. <laughs> and, and I'm 41 and I like feel like there are rules for the length of shorts that I should be wearing at the age of 41. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I don't even care. <laughs> like Mm-mm. I'm going to wear these shorts and I know I've got the whatever. Right. And I know the, the whatever, but like, I'm going to wear them and I'm going to feel the sun on my legs, you know, and, I, and your legs are going to love you. And my legs are going to love me even if you don't. Right. <laughs> you know, I can't yeah. do for you. Just, I got to do my legs. Right. You know, it's interesting just to go back to the Barbies for a minute. Right. Like I, and, and Barbie does, I mean, they have a line of occupations where they have doctors and, you know, like they've, they've been trying, I would say. Um, but I I'm thinking, you know, even as I'm looking through this list of like, what, if, if you do want to focus specifically on, um, girls, like even gen, you know, just, let's just go to that category. And as we're raising girls, young girls, like, the things that I want them most to know is that they have a voice and it's valued that they have a body and it's what it is and it's great and amazing. And I want, I mean, I think, I think the instinct is good, right? Like care for yourself. Um, I think that's a positive instinct. I just, I don't know how you turn that into 
a Barbie without absolutely just revamping Barbie, right? Like, mm. I'm just, I, I'm, I don't want to be like somewhere in me. I want to be like, oh, but they're doing something good. And I just can't quite get there. Well, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine someone being like, my self-care Barbie has a little blueprint for another Barbie. Right. <laughs> for an alternative Barbie. For an alternative Here's Barbie. My, <laughs> my self-care Barbie is taking care of herself by re-envisioning Barbie. Yes. Well, and that's what I, so the, so I'm wondering, right, is there a button that you push that guides you in a, in a meditation that like you are worthy and you are whole and you are perfect just the way you are. And I'm like, okay, I might buy my kid that Barbie, you know, like that'd be good. Most of our, bar- like our girls still play with Barbies and they, they were all donated to them. Like, I don't know that I really, um, the only ones that I've actually bought were to diversify our Barbie collection because they do play with them. So I just wanted to make sure that they had options. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, listen, they're having a good time and you know, whatever. And they're occupied and away from me. So that's always good too. But, <laughs> but, but like, I'm also like, how do I, how do I smush this for you? And like, everything just kind of go this way. Like, you know, like when you're um, cropping a photo and you yes. just want to stretch it a little bit, like, mm. that's what I want to do with Barty. Just like widen her a little bit. Yeah. And we, and we, they've grown up like pretty much from the moment they could ask questions or talk. Right that everybody looks different and everybody has things about their body that they like and they don't like. And, you know, um, and they, I mean, they repeat that on a loop on a regular basis. And that doesn't stop my daughter from saying, mommy, I hate that I'm tall, you know? And, and. Or, or my daughter from saying, I hate that I'm short. Right. Exactly. And there's the, it's the thing that I say, honey, there's really nothing you can do about that. Like, so you've got to learn to love it. You've got to learn to embrace it. And, um, you know, we tried, I try not to harp on it. Right. So we try to talk through a little bit, like, what don't you like about it? Um, and most of it just comes down to, I'm different, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm taller than all the boys. God love her. Oh my gosh. Last year. <laughs> sorry. I just have to tell the story. Um, in the fifth grade, they learned dancing in gym and the boys were here right to her chest Mm -hmm. and I was like this is the most awkward thing I've ever watched in my life (laughs) yeah that was me that was me in sixth grade yeah and all the boys are like okay I'm not gonna look it's like I mean they were actually the boys I thought were pretty polite about it but like you know she felt awkward (laughs) well Pearl clearly agrees <laughs> I'm sorry. That's no, okay. you're fine. That's okay. Well, any any last thoughts or words before we? Um, only that your your comments earlier around Sabbath and feet reminded me that when I lived in Texas, one of my Sabbath rituals on Friday evenings was a foot bath. Um, mm. And because I didn't then have a car and I was walking around a lot, it, it, it had dual function in similar ways to the way that I think the foot washing in the story of Jesus had a mm. dual function. Um, and so when I'm feeling particularly uh, stressed, that is one of the things that I pull back out, the, mm-hmm. the little home soak and scrub and feet care um, that you mentioned, Linda. And so I think that's, that's the thing that's been coming to me as we've been talking about ways that we kind of counteract the negative niggling messages that we get is to do practices that do nourish us despite. So that's one of them. And body practices, Yeah, you know, practices where we're sort of caring for this this thing that we've been, that's right. That we've been taught to, to make into something other than it is. How do you care for it as is? Yeah, and tying it into to Sabbath particularly because there's some tendencies with conventional commercial self-care is to care for the body so that it can produce more. And I think Sabbath practices are around care for the body because, period. Mm. Um, yeah, that it very much reminds me, right, the woman that anoints Jesus' feet mm-hmm. and that everybody around her went 
this is inappropriate. This is not the time. This is wasteful. This is wasteful. This money could have been whatever. And like, and again, you know, Jesus doesn't shame women for being lustful. He's saying, you need to stop it guys. Like that's ridiculous, you know? And he stands up for her and says, no, like she is doing what, what she feels in her heart. She is anointing me for the next things. And I mean, it's, it's prodigal, but you know, um, it, it's still, or it's, it's prophetical, I guess. Um, so my friend and I, Jen, we're both pastors and we meet for breakfast every Monday, Thursday, and we go and get a pedicure together, Hmm. um, as a Monday, Thursday practice. Um, because that night we're going to wash other people's feet and we're going to tell this story and we're going to whatever. And so that morning during this very busy Holy week, we take two hours out of our day and care for each other through, you know, time together and care for, you know, our feet in the same way Jesus was cared for, right. And loved. Um, And, and people kind of laugh at it. And I'm like, that time is sacred to me. Like we've been doing it for years now and it is absolutely so meaningful um, that that day and that story gets wrapped up together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's really, there's something, the other thing I just want to add that is a thought in my head that, um, you know, part of this too, there, there is a level of privilege to being able to have expendable money to do that. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of getting my nails done is my one little luxury item that I will spend extra money on. But I, even as, even as I'm talking, I'm going, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's just whatever it is. Right. But it doesn't have to be a brand new outfit. It can be, you know, just something that you pull out that makes you feel good that you already Mm -hmm. own. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I buy a lot of secondhand clothes because that's, you know, what's affordable in our house. And, but it feels good to me, right? To own something like that, or it's new to me. So I just want to kind of give a word there that it doesn't, it doesn't have to be about money, right? right. It doesn't have to be something that's, um, that you have to have a lot of income for, because that's not always the case. And especially as women, we're, you know, we're going to give for somebody else. Um, and that is, that isn't, that's something we were taught from, you know, a young age. That's that, right. If we, I mean, which is why I'm, I'm not against self-care Barbie. I just, you know, think it as my kids say, like, mom, do we have to be taught another thing? Like, yes, yes. This is a teaching moment. You have to be taught another thing around self-care Barbie. <laughs> yeah, but self-care Barbie needs a drop too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> she needs like doctor self, like doctor self-care Barbie, right. Or right. minister self-care Barbie or, right. you know, right. yeah. whatever. They come with dogs. It could be veterinarian self-care Barbie. Like she cares for dogs all day. And then now you, you care for you. (laughs) I have, I have a, I have a a closing thought to kind of bring in another piece, which is, and I hopefully you can cut out some of my dog barking in the background, but I do think it's interesting that Barbie comes with a dog. Mm -hmm. And, and I will say that the reason that I got my dog is because I was doing really isolated, lonely, hard work. Yes. You know, of, of being a writer. And that that was putting me into a depression. And I desperately needed, I desperately needed company, you know, and and someone to be present. You know, obviously he's a little too present right now. <laughs> clearly, clearly I didn't do the boundaries because <laughs> I need moment that I brought him into my home, but, um, but, but, I, but it's true. You know, there, yeah. there, there are, you know, there are so many ways to take care of ourselves that are, you know, not, not about going to the spa or going to the gym right? right? or having right. trying to, to change our bodies to look a particular way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think, I think all of these things are, are things that, that I would love to see us talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, friends, um, thank you so much, um, Keisha and Linda, for being with us today. Me, with me, just me. I mean, the royal we, right? The royal us. Yeah, um, it's listening at home. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> We'd like to thank our originator of Pub Theology, um, Brian Burkoff, and our producer, Derek Weston. Connect and spread the word on social media. Listen any time on SoundCloud, Stitcher, um, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And watch us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram TV. Um, sign up at patreon.com for more content. And um, find or create a pub theology in your town. Go to pubtheology.com slash directory. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Thank you.